0: How's it going, everyone out there in cyberspace? This is Garrett from the Grave Talk Podcast coming out with you at point five. We've got a pretty awesome interview coming up today with uh, David Weiner from the documentary series In Search of Darkness, one, two and three, as well as In Search of Tomorrow, which um, I'm not sure if you guys saw the Kickstarters. Those are out except for part three, which is coming out very soon. But we've got the opportunity to talk to david today and we wanted to ask him a few questions bring you guys some information about this upcoming documentary and just kind of go over some stuff so uh david thanks for coming on the grave talk
1: pleasure to be here thanks for having me
0: no it's great to have you here um yeah we're uh, we're long time backers of this series we we started with part one got the we almost went for the special edition the elvira edition of part two but unfortunately financially that was kind of rough times But uh, all in on part three. And we've just found out recently that you did some of the writing on In Search of Tomorrow.
1: Yeah, uh, well, I
0: wrote and directed the film, so I did all of the writing. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Yeah, no, we know you directed. I was like, I was kind of shocked. I was like, oh, we did the writing also. That's rad.
1: Yeah, well, um, I write and direct all of these. And so, I mean, I can, we could talk all about what the writing means, because a lot of people, when they think about documentaries, they think, well, how do you write a documentary? You know, you sit down and you interview people. But I could go into sort of, you know, the, the sort of uh, uh, how the factory works, uh, if you like, but there there's definitely writing involved because ultimately you could sit down with a bunch of people and ask them questions, but you have to uh shape an entire film of a, a four and a half to five hour film, uh thematically, structurally. Uh, there's multiple. The way we, do, for those who aren't familiar with these films, uh, what we do is we take a genre, so it's a film, it's it's horror or it's sci-fi, uh, or what have you, and uh, we're focusing on a full decade of of filmmaking. So in the '80s, we'll go from 1980 to 1989. Within each year, we do a, a multitude multitude of films where we do segments on each film, and then we have larger context chapters in between. Uh, You know, the heroes, the villains, the special effects, the practical effects, the music, uh, the pop culture and the politics of the time. And so uh, it ends up being quite an unwieldy beast that needs to be very structured and very streamlined, uh, especially when you have anywhere between 50 and 70 interviews sharing the story and celebrating a decade and talking about films they worked on or films that they love and are their favorites. Quite a process.
0: Yeah, no, that's absolutely great. Um, that was one thing I was really impressed with when I first saw In Search of Darkness, part one is, you know, you did have these these genres and you kind of touched on a lot of the stuff that, you know, the horror community and even film communities at large kind of discussed. But then when you really got into kind of some of the politics aspect of the time, um, particularly in the 80s, that was really eye opening. And just to kind of see how you guys, you know, put that together and crafted that, that was really well done. So, you know, that's one thing I've always loved about this series is the way you, you all present this uh, this material. It's so well thought out and uh, there, it's just really awesome.
1: Well, thank you very much. You know, the this is about, for me as a filmmaker, tackling a decade where uh, the films really made an impact on uh, people, the pop culture, uh, but also they ended up in the zeitgeist and, and there was an influence that these films had on uh, the culture. And likewise, the culture had an impact on the films. And so politics of the time, uh, socioeconomic struggles of the time, ultimately become interlaced with the storytelling. And sometimes it's very overt. You know, you might like have something like uh, John Carpenter's They Live, where it's very in your face, but wonderfully so. Uh, or you might have something that's a little more uh, sub- subtle and you can find the art and the or the commerce in it if you're looking. And it depends on what you want to get out of it. Sometimes it's just, you know, it's just kinetic entertainment and sometimes there's a, a very strong message. And uh, oftentimes you could just associate that with, with uh, everything from, you know, Cronenberg, you know, that there's going to be more heady intellectualism there. You know, with Ramey, you know, it's going to be like a, uh, a steady cam on on a on a wobbly board and it's going it's going it's going to make you dizzy in the best possible way
0: yeah that really came through in the, the doctor strange he did i was like yeah this has definitely got that ramy touch all over it here wasn't that amazing that was that was like the marvel gateway horror movie i loved it well, what's so interesting about it is I'm not, I personally, am not a, a huge Raimi fan. I respect what he does. You know, I like some of his movies, but he's never been like the director that calls to me. But, you know, I was like, oh, he's going to do Dr. Strange. Let's see how this goes. The moment I started watching that, I was like, wow, I didn't realize how how much of a, a theme and just, you know, kind of style that Raimi legitimately has in his movies. And then when I saw Strange, I was like, wow, this dude knows how to craft exactly what he wants. And that was That was really nice to see that, you know, like what I never really recognized within the horror genre, I got to see taking it into another genre. So that was actually really cool for me to kind of a little more respect for Raimi in that aspect.
1: I couldn't believe how bloody it got. I mean, it it was amazing. It it was a a full on horror movie. I mean, Scarlet Witch is just is just is just disintegrating people. In her way, uh, heroes and 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 bystanders alike, yeah, and 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 crawling through mirrors like uh you know uh, something out of the ring. Mm-hmm. It's amazing.
0: Yeah, and then not to mention uh zombie strange alone. I was like, wow, you know that those practical effects. <laughs> that the was ring so man. great. Exactly. I loved it. Well, we're definitely here today to, um, to really kind of dig in and just kind of have a little bit of discussion about your new um, documentary that's coming out, In Search of Darkness Part Three. And this one specifically, I believe, focuses uh, more on the the video horror classics and the, the, the straight-to-video releases in that genre. Is that correct?
1: That's absolutely true. Um, in Search of Darkness Part One, uh, we never knew if we were going to be able to make more. Uh, so we did everything we could to really make that stand out in terms of covering a decade But when you think about how many films came out in the 80s that were just genre film, horror film alone, cult films, uh, things that straddled certain subgenres, it's in the hundreds. Absolutely. And if you want to do a film where uh, a documentary where you're covering movie by movie each year, you really all of a sudden have to make some really, really hard decisions about what you're going to include and what you're not going to include because you can't include it all. And uh, the more you go down that rabbit hole of, all right, we'll we'll have five, seven, eight movies per year and a chapter in between, the more you kind of are ignoring a a large swath of films that are equally deserving for different reasons, but you just can't get to all of it. So we were very fortunate that we got to do part two. And while part one was all about the heavy hitters of of horror with a number of eclectic titles, I made a very specific yet difficult decision because I'm a total completist, but I wanted to make just only North American films. I figured that that was the best way I could manage all of this. And so when we got to part two, we could we could spread our wings and go uh, across the ocean and do a lot more international titles, a lot more uh, straight to video eclectic titles. And uh, the, the hardcore horror fans who really, really love this stuff, they responded very, very strongly to this because This was speaking their their language a lot more. When I say their, I mean mine. I mean, this is by fans for fans. And uh, this is the stuff that I really like, too. But you have to make some really tough decisions. It's like, well, is this, you know, is demons too eclectic, you know, in part one when you've got, you know, Friday the 13th, you know, six, seven and eight, (laughs) you know, uh, at what point do you find some sort of balance? So here we are at part three where uh the the cacophony of more 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 was wonderfully deafening and uh so many people whether it was on letterbox whether it was on social media were saying i could watch this stuff 24 7 just just tap my veins with more in search of darkness so we we responded to the call happily and we we uh recruited all the backers and as many horror fans as possible to fill in a survey where uh, everyone is filling in all the films that they would like to see. Uh, And then uh, there was an opportunity to vote on uh, all of these, on at least the top 50, uh, and and put some sort of priority there. But we didn't want to reveal what the actual finalists were, so there are plenty of surprises. This one is definitely going into the deep, dark recesses of the video store, where there is plenty of straight-to-video, shot-on-video, But theatrical as well, Uh, theatrical stuff that really played in drive ins and came and went, you know, like Blood Rage or, uh, you know, certain films that we just literally haven't gotten to yet, like Monkey Shines or even Jaws of Revenge. Uh, So uh, there's still plenty more to cover, but putting all three films together you get 14 plus hours of an exploration through 80s horror and that's i think
0: probably need to chew on you know when i first got the part one i was like wow this is a really long you know at first initially i was like wow this is so long i don't know if i'm able to sit through all this you're not alone mainlined it right out the gate i was like i couldn't turn it off and i was like okay cool and then part two was even longer and i was like wow okay i'm a busy guy we'll see how this goes and then bam, sat down, devoured the whole thing. And so one of the questions I had was, is do you ever get any feedback or do you, um, do you feel any kind of struggle to, to do a longer project like this with, you know, such, I don't want to say newer generation attention spans, but with everything being so quickly consumable in media nowadays, and so short, you know, your your TikToks, your reels and all that stuff, you know, the mind just wants to, you know, jump from one thing to the other. Do you find it difficult or do you get any kind of like feedback about the links of these uh, documentaries?
1: Well, from the very beginning, this was a crowdfunded project that was never expecting to be four and a half hours long. We're we're now at In Search of Darkness, part three. We're at the longest In Search of Darkness yet or ever at uh, five hours and change. Uh, And that's entirely based on fan demand saying more. Uh, But when I was doing the first film, I looked at films like Never Sleep Again about the Elm Street franchise or Crystal Lake Memories about uh, the Friday the 13th franchise. And those were doing very, very well. And lots of you know, people talking all about how much they love that and we're just diving into it. And zero complaints about, oh, this is too long. It's, you know, anywhere from five to six hours long. Uh, and so that, that that's emboldened my stance saying, you know, there is an audience of, of hardcore horror fans who want this. Um, You know, mind you, there's plenty of people who've said, why the F is this four and a half hours long? It's ridiculous. Or why is this not a series? But arguably, A, A, why is it not a series? It's because it's a crowdfunded project. And to do a series takes a lot more time and a lot more money and a distributor at the end of the line that is sort of bankrolling the project. Whereas if you're doing it yourself to manufacture and distribute to your backers directly yourself, it's much more manageable, believe it or not, uh, in this particular format. Plus the creativity is is completely ours if we're doing it that way.
0: And that's but, one thing um, it definitely seems like is is really important to these. I, I I can tell when I watch these that, you know, the movies you all select and as you mentioned, the the sheer difficulty of picking which ones you want to put in, you know, what seems like forever, three to four hours long, still is not enough time. Um yeah, it's never enough really, time. You can really tell that you guys, you know, have chosen that, you know, like what you want to put in here, it's because there's something you need to say about it. And that's that clearly comes through in these.
1: Thanks. Yeah. You know, I was going to say also, just like with the whole TikTok generation and and everything like that, they're sure there's there's a space for that because people on their phones want to sit. They just want to consume very small portions whenever it's convenient and and get information or be entertained or both. Um, This arguably does the same. If you think about it, you know, you have all these movies, you have all these chapters, but the chapters are never longer than about 10 minutes. They're usually about, you know, six to six to 10 minutes long. Uh, And the movie segments themselves are anywhere between two and four minutes, you know, sometimes a little longer. So I think this is what makes it so watchable uh, for for most people. Is that you sit down and you're like, well, gosh, that's a that's a tall drink of water, four and a half hours, or five hours. But you find that it's constantly moving on, the, you know, to this wall of posters. What's going to be next? Who's going to be talking about what? Uh, it's a celebration of the content. And so people really do sort of engage. And it doesn't really matter if it's four and a half hours. Listen, all power to you if you sit down for the whole thing. But it's easy to leave off at a year or a chapter or at the end of a film segment and just pick up where you left off.
0: Yeah, no, it's definitely, um, you know, great to see like how you guys broke it up. Cause I mean, and that's, and that's, I, I find that to be a double-edged sword because there was times when you'd start talking, for instance, like um, I know my first experience where I really was kind of, I don't want to say upset, but you know, kind of like, no, uh, watching these is the the first one you're talking to Barbara Crampton about some of the stuff she went through politics wise in the, the genre in the eighties. Mm-hmm. And it was like, it was done. I was like, no, go back to this. I want a 30 minute documentary about this alone. Like this is so interesting, but no, you're absolutely right. The way you guys break this down, I'm sure this always comes back into the writing that you were mentioning earlier, you know, knowing exactly kind of how much time to spend on each one of these things and, and make that, I don't want to say palatable because again, you know, I don't mind sitting down for four hours, but I think for a lot of people having that ability to kind of break that up definitely helps.
1: It, it's it's a jumping off point. So if you're interested in, in Barbara Crampton, you can discover more. You could, you could look into her work. You could look into her bio. You could find out what she's done. She's very active in the horror community. For any of the films, any of the topics, sure, it's, it's a bit frustrating. You know, I, I want to I spend more time with all this stuff, but I'd still be making these movies. You know, um, it's, it's, it's extremely rich how much content is is for each film, for each topic. You could just, the discussion could go on forever. You can get a lot more people talking about it. And I have more people that are sitting on the cutting room floor talking about certain projects because at a certain point, you can't include everybody saying how much they love something or why something is controversial or what it means to them. You know, you got to keep, the, keep the, the tour bus going through the 80s. <laughs> yeah.
0: And you had mentioned that you didn't want to give away, you know, you know, some of the movies and some of the, you know, the big hitters that you've got coming up in this next project. And I completely understand that, but um, let me flip that and ask you, were there any uh, movies in particular or any specific films that you, you did want to try to get into um, these documentaries, maybe even specifically the third one that you weren't able to.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I will, I will not name names and I'll just say that there were plenty. Uh, I mean, I literally had the material and, and even some cut segments uh, that, at a certain point, you just have to say, uh, "We, this is too much, you know, we're going to have to stop somewhere. Um, and so, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to specify just because, you know, people will find out if their, their movie is in there or not, but I guarantee you, everyone who's listening, including you, Garrett, that the movie that you really, really wanted, and you say, by the third time, it's got to be in this one, because if not, it's an absolute crime. Guess what? It's not in there. <laughs> yeah no there's (laughs) because there's hundreds of movies there's hundreds and and the deeper you get and the weirder you get and the wider you cast your net the more you still just can't get to everything and uh yeah there's some movies that even i was like i've gotta it it would be an absolute you know crime to humanity if i don't include this one particular title in there and i planned to do it and what happens is, is when it all comes together sometimes the material just isn't right Or sometimes there are certain years. Here's the problem with this particular title that will remain unnamed. In the late 80s, when you're getting 86, 87, especially 88 and 89, there's many more titles versus the early part of the decade, because that's when horror really hit and, and filmmakers were just jumping on the chance to make money doing horror. And so there were many, many more titles in the second half of the 80s than there were in the first half of the 80s. So when you're trying to condense keep things you know uh, in in a particular year where you're not getting beyond you know 10 titles or 11 titles or 12 titles there's still just not enough, and you're like, well, it, it's it's better off if I if I stick with what I've got for X, Y, and Z reasons, and you know, um it, it, it's <laughs> lots of
0: babies are killed in in the making <laughs> of the in Search of Darkness movies. Oh no, you. I mean, you mentioned Blood Rage earlier, and the moment you said that, I like my brain just goes like, all right, brace yourself. He's getting deep in this. You're gonna miss a lot of the stuff you want to see. And I mean, I, I really enjoy that about this project is, you know, um, especially in the second one, I was turned on to a lot of movies I had never even heard about. And so, mm-hmm. you know, now that we're getting into like the, the straight to video, some of the lower, you know, the I don't say lower budget, but, you know, some of the lower budget stuff. I Oh, there's to see well, there's micro you,
1: budget stuff there too, oh, to man. interrupt <laughs> you and say, absolutely, there's low budget here and we're celebrating
0: Yeah, but I'm excited to see what what actually did make the uh, the cutting room, uh, because that's I found very, you know, attractive about this series is that, you know, you know, you have your areas that, you know, but step outside of that and just really kind of understand the horror genre, you know, and realize how big it is, like bigger than anything you've experienced personally. That's always been kind of eye opening. Yeah.
1: Especially when you add all the, the sub genres and the things that are just a little more nebulous, but there's horror in it. Blood Rage is, is, is very cool because we finally got to it and uh, all good things come to those who wait. And so Mark Soper, who plays the twins of Blood Rage, is in our film talking about his experience making Blood Rage. This time around, we, we've got 70 interviews, uh, 50, oh, wow. uh, 50 are brand new and 20 uh, are Continuations of interviews from part one and part two that we just never got to that part of the interview, so uh, it, it integrates nicely in the conversation this time around. But a lot of the faces who were on screen or behind the camera or experts of uh, so many of these titles are are brand new this time around, and injects a lot of really great fresh blood, so to speak, uh, in in this in this third installment. And uh, I'm just really proud of the the number of people that we've amassed to talk about this. And it's just as fun as the first two in terms of everyone's enthusiasm about this uh,
0: decade and, and, and why it resonates with so many of us. Yeah. And looking at the names, I mean, you guys still have the heavy hitters in there. You've also got a lot of people that I haven't heard of, but then you look at what they've done. You're like, Oh, these people were heavily involved in some of these, you know, these franchises and movies that, you know, we just know and love. Mm-hmm. I do know that this uh, was filming uh, around the time of covid other than just the standard, probably, you know, getting to people and having the interviews. Were there any specific, you know, um, pandemic related issues that you guys had to you know, kind of try to find a way to work around?
1: I would say less for in search of darkness three, but more so for in search of darkness two and very much so for in search of tomorrow we always want to shoot on, on 4k cameras. We don't want to do people who are on zoom uh, and and let zoom, we can, we can have, we can zoom with someone in another city. uh, For example, say someone's in Atlanta uh, and we send, we we get a local crew and they'll set up a laptop and I will Skype in or zoom in and I will have a, an hour or two conversation and interview with, uh, you know, certain talent But uh, that is the best that we could do in the in the circumstances, and we wanted to make sure with a lot of these people, who you know these movies are thirty and forty years old now, and so all these folks who were in front of the camera, behind the camera, they're in their sixties, their seventies, sometimes their eighties, and so listen, it's an absolute time capsule of an era, but when you're sitting down with people, you want to make sure that you're not going to be responsible for any harm to come to anyone. And we want to keep our crew safe, too. So we did all sorts of things. I mean, I, I shot a bunch of stuff in my own backyard so we could be outside and have uh, uh, social distance and, and plenty of uh, airflow. I had a parade of celebrities uh, in my backyard in Los Angeles uh, coming through, and it was really fun. So, you know, having Adrian Barbeau you know, show up to your front door and say, here I am, you know, pinch me. Who, who else? Who doesn't want that? No one. Yeah. No
0: one would say no to that. I don't think. <laughs> so what wo- wo- is me that we couldn't use our studio and <laughs> she had to come to my house? Oh man. The, the trials and tribulations of you. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so one thing that was kind of intriguing about the, this third entry and and again, it doesn't even have to be um, specifically a movie that's in this series. You know, with the focus on video, I'm sure we all, at least some of us older fellows and uh, ladies know that the, the walk through the video store was one of those just moments of just, you know, eye opening. You'd see these covers, things that may have nothing to do with the movie themselves, but some of these covers just impacted you and just drew you to a certain video. Was there ever a horror movie video cover that just you, you would never be able to forget? Something that just stuck with you?
1: Yeah, you know, my age is uh i'm a person who was born in 1968 so i was a 70s kid and an 80s teen and so i would walk through the video store a mom and pop video store and i'd look at all these insane titles and um the grosser the better if there was tna i'd stop and make sure that no one was looking that i was looking (laughs) twice as long um but, you know, it, it was a really interesting process because when you're young, you don't know a lot of the actors. So you're looking to the art to really tell you if this is something that, A, uh, is going to scare the bejesus out of you. And maybe it's too scary and maybe you don't want to do it. Or you're looking for that intense scare and you want to test yourself. And uh, that's the one you go to. But then there are other ones where I, I always stayed away because the art was just so awful. And, like, you, you, you get a learning curve. And, and if the art is really, really well done, and this is back in the day when, there, you know, posters were painted, it wasn't just like your standard uh, photographs of, of your stars, you know, arranged on the cover, which unfortunately, you know, picked up in the 90, late 80s and the, and the 90s. And yeah, the collage. Never, never looked back, and, and I miss those days of this amazing art. But uh, it's funny, the one, I mean, all sorts of things come to mind, but the one that comes to mind when you brought, brought that up is... A movie called *The Final Terror*. *The Final Terror* is literally this—the the words like a big, tall wall of of the final terror, and you have people running away from it. <laughs> and I, and I looked and like, who's in here? Oh, Adrian Zmed from from T.J. Hooker is in it. Wait, Daryl Hannah. Wait, I loved *Splash*. Hmm, but this art really looks questionable. And, uh, you know, I, I, I just I, pulled I, it
0: up and seeing that the people run from inside the the letter towards the the main characters. Man, that is a very impactful cover.
1: It is. It is. But it does. It tells you nothing. And I'm like, well, what is the final terror? Am I being teased or is this going to be awesome when I find to finally find out what this final terror is? And uh, I I remember choosing not to fall for it for years. And then finally, you know, my curiosity got the best of me. And I was like, oh, this is, you know, it's like another sleepaway, you know, it's a woodsy camp slasher. But it's fun because especially who's in there, you know, Rachel Ward and it's got it's Oh, there's one other person now. It's
0: escaping me. There's Mark Metcalf is in there. Daryl Hannah, Ernest Harding, Joe uh, Pantalonia. Uh,
1: yeah joe pantalon yeah joey pants isn't it yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah <laughs> from the matrix um, and, and bound and all sorts of stuff and, and uh, i do love the uh, the tagline on it. it's like without knowing they have awakened an unknown force can anyone survive the final tear and it's just like man right that just covers well, everything you need right there.
1: That Well, you're, that, you hit the nail on the head because <laughs> that's what all this marketing was about, is they wanted to tease you and and uh, you wanted to find out more and you had to rent it. And this is in the days where you couldn't just sort of skim through it. You know, you made your commitment. You know, you paid your rental money for the night. You got it. Uh, you had it for the weekend or however many days or overnight. And uh Once you popped it in, you watched it, whether it was good or not, you know, because you made your choice. In search of darkness, all
0: killer, no filler. This is, again, a third entry. We're talking hours and hours of just... Details, data, you know, behind the scenes stuff that you've gotten through these uh, these films. Uh, Was there any like new revelations or anything that came to light for you um, while doing this third one? Maybe something you hadn't heard before or something that was just like just so mind blowing that you're just like, wow.
1: I would say uh, a huge amount. I've never claimed to know it all. You know, I know a thing or two about a thing or two when it comes to this stuff. Uh, and, and I'm always learning and uh, I just don't claim to be the expert on it all. Uh, so each film, I, I'm always learning new stuff. Uh, but I would say with In Search of Darkness Part One, I had a real solid handle on the material. Uh, I think for In Search of Darkness Part Two, probably the, the the challenge for me was really getting a hold of Italian horror uh, in terms of a way that I could uh, condense it and explain it and and put a spin on it that was interesting and informative. Um, and this time around, there were so many new uh, films that I had never seen before. Uh, I had heard of many of them, but I'd never gotten around to many of them. Uh, and this was the ultimate excuse to go down that rabbit hole and watch a lot of films that I'm like, I've never gotten around to blood beach but now's the time and i've always wanted to see it ever since i saw you know advertisements when i was a kid on television for blood beach it's it's really just uh how the moxie of 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 the filmmakers taking advantage and this is going to be a kind of a long answer It's, it's not really a specific nugget but it's really more of a an understanding of the way things worked and so the answer to me that was that was really kind of a revelation was understanding why so many horror films came out in that era. Uh, and that really was it was sort of a, a convergence of the new technology of practical effects was a big component of it. But it really had to do with, entirely with the explosion of the video format. And so, you know, whether it was something came out on video or it came out on cable. Filmmakers saw an avenue to make cheap films fast Uh, and the mom and pop stores that were popping up everywhere were hungry for content and paying top dollar to get material. And so producers like, you know, uh, Roger Corman, who was very established, but uh, folks like Charlie Band and and Lloyd Kaufman saw this as a, a huge opportunity and capitalized on it and made a mint overnight by making low budget films that they knew that they could get distributed because they didn't have to deal with the gatekeeper Hollywood uh, elite studios who said, you know, horror, no one cares. And, we're, and you know, we're, that, that's beneath us. But then again, all of a sudden everyone stood upright when they saw the likes of John Carpenter with Halloween you know, uh, Friday the 13th comes comes right after that. And they're just making massive amounts of money on a tiny budget. And then all of a sudden, everybody was interested. And there comes the slasher boom. And uh, American Werewolf and the Howling come out. Everyone wants changeo head effects and you know rob botin and rick baker you know they want to hire them for their movie and you, you know you're off to the races and you know Wes craven jumps in and starts creating characters like freddy krueger and you know jason which it wasn't even in the first ride of the 13th spoiler alert to nobody who's
0: listening to this if any, yeah if yeah. anybody doesn't know that by now you've been listening to the wrong podcast guys <laughs>
1: <laughs> i feel safe saying that and you know what we're still not revealing who it was it was a counselor but yes. um <laughs> uh, no, uh, but yeah, you know, it, 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 just was amazing to me to, to come to an understanding as to why, uh, and, you know, part and parcel with that. So many people today are like, Oh, you know, everything's a reboot and a remake and a, you know, a, a requel and so on and so forth. And it's a franchise. And it's another Halloween movie. It's another Hellraiser movie. Why can't we have anything new? You know, there's plenty of new that's out there, but, there's also a assurance that there will be more new if people pay to see the franchises. You know, another saw, you know, announced today, you know, more more paranormal activity. Uh, yep. If you pay if you pay for these, the likes of, you know, Blumhouse or, you know, New Line Cinema back in the day, they could create original content if they can rely on uh, uh, audiences to come again and again and again to pay for their franchise favorites.
0: Yeah. And, and we say that a lot on the podcast, like, you know, like sure, these, you know, these big budget, you know, remakes and stuff may not be for you, but you know, the door opens because they can push that door open. And a lot of things can come through when that door is open. And we get a lot of like, for instance, um, I don't know if you saw a uh, malignant that was a very- Oh yeah.
1: Yeah. Malignant and, and, and smile and, mm-hmm. and, um, you know, Barbarian, which I haven't seen, so I, I promise it's coming out on HBO. So I'm going to see it this week. Yeah. But um, I, I can't wait to see that because everyone just says it's outrageous and malignant was just insane
0: too. Again, that one kind of took me by surprise because you know, like I was like, "What is this? I haven't heard of this." It kind of just snuck out there, and bam, there it was. And and again, I think that's um, that's one thing that I'm, I'm glad you brought up is that you know we you know we are we are fed with it, with any genre of film though, like any you know action movies, comedies, you know, you're going to get your big budget, you know, your sequels, all the stuff that you expect to see. But there's a lot of like, you know, things that just slip through every now and then and just really kind of like keep that door open for a lot of, you know, lesser known films and even filmmakers to get a shot to, you know, jump on something bigger. You know, we saw, Mm -hmm. uh, we've seen a lot of really good people. Um, The the new Hellraiser was actually pretty well done. And um, we just recently talked about that. And uh, the director was uh, the person who did the Nighthouse. And again, just, you know, seeing these people be able to take on these things that I'm sure they grew up with and loved. It's just always nice to see that that genre is still alive and breathing so heavily at this time.
1: Yeah, I love I love Prey as well.
0: I, oh, that I saw, was so good. I saw
1: that twice, once in English, one in Comanche. It was it was amazing. Um, yeah. So this all comes down to the almighty dollar. And I think people don't want to look at that point of view. They want to be entertained but people do follow the box office. They do, you know, it's it's like, a, it's like a horse race. You know, people like to see how things are doing. That's really kind of part of the whole culture of uh, being a film fan these days. Uh, so you have to recognize and understand that uh, it costs more to market a film than it does to make a film these days. And so when people are, are banking millions on the success of a project, they have to make safe bets. And with all the safe bets, if, if they pay off well, then you get a lot of these risks. Uh, that we were talking about, uh, you know, these one-off titles. And these are, these are the movies that you have to champion, not only with word of mouth, but with your, your, you got to vote with your dollar if you can, um, uh, cause you'll get more of that and less to complain about. Uh, and, and when you want to complain about a, another remake and another sequel, give it the benefit of the doubt or just dodge it. But, uh, you know, the, these things have to coexist in order for us to have lots of creative,
0: imaginative and uh, effective entertainment. Exactly. And then, um, and the counterpart of that, especially back in the day, you know, as you mentioned video being such a, an easy, uh, stepping on point for so many new people to kind of jump into, you know, film in general, uh, filmmaking in general, um, not only just for horror, but everything. One thing we saw with video though, is we, we really got into the, the, the kind of the accessibility and the video nasty stuff of the UK. And I know you touched on that in um, mm-hmm. part two. Is there going to be a little more focus on that in part three, since so much of this is kind of video focused?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, there's a chapter that, that really sort of dives into how horror became a real pariah genre, uh, whether it was from the video nasties or, in, you know, in the UK or domestically part of this, this, satanic panic backlash, uh, where people were worried that their kids who could get right into the video store and rent The Exorcist or, or any, you know, movie with demonic images. Uh, parents were worried and 2020 was doing reports on it and heavy metal got caught up in, 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 the, uh, in the maelstrom and had to defend itself. And we got some wonderful heavy metal horror out of that as a sort of rebellious FU you know, to the establishment, saying this is ridiculous, and we're going to make more movies about, you know, spawns of Satan rocking and and converting kids. um like hard rock
0: zombies and like slaughterhouse rock i remember those specifically being some of the ones that just really kind of was like that for me that was my bread and butter it was like wait you've got metal and rock mixed with horror i was like i don't know how i can not be into this
1: right yeah you're just poking the hornet's nest and you're just going to get it more worse you know which is what we all wanted and we loved and you know everything from trick-or-treat to uh you know rock and roll nightmare it's it's fun Mm -hmm. ridiculous and 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 it's got a message and it's low budget or it's just full on entertainment, you know. Um, but, yeah, that was whole era where people were really responding to the backlash and uh, horror fans were seeing these movies in droves and it, it didn't make a dent. But uh, uh, the moral majority was making a big uh, uh, stink about it. And uh, it was in the news and headlines constantly
0: to the point where people had to push back. Otherwise, the censorship gets real. Well, the good thing is we're still here and they're still fighting a losing cause. So that works for me. Um, so a couple of fun questions here for you. Um, and you may, you may or may not have an answer for this one. Um, but if you could star, like make a cameo role in any um, horror franchise, not even a franchise, but if they were to remake a, a specific horror movie and you could cameo in that, what movie would that be?
1: Wow. That's a great question. Wow. Well, would I want to be the, you know, my first thought, do I want to be the hero or the monster? Um, the monster is more fun um, I would probably who knows maybe I would I would be uh, either running from zombies and uh, well listen I don't want to remake any of these movies but because we're using our imagination here you know yeah. uh, uh, Return of the Living Dead style film is something that I would, I would love to be in uh, running and surviving maybe from zombies if not turning into one um, and I recently did a rewatch of Christine. I just love Christine so much. And uh, I don't know, Ar- Arnie is such a great character because he's just the ultimate, you know, uh, he, he's, he's, the, he's the kid with the kick me sign. And uh, he gets his comeuppance thanks to a, a deadly haunted car. And how cool is that? And so, yeah, I, I can't commit. The, but
0: those are two things that come to mind. Awesome. Yeah. I'd always want to be like a, a, a camp counselor, not even like the main character, but I was like, it'd always be cool just to just be one of the counselors who's, who's wrapped up in this nonsense. So that would be my choice. Probably.
1: Yeah, it's fun to die. Everyone I talk to, <laughs> they love, they love talking about their death scene. You know, no one says that was bad. They're like, Oh, it was so fun. We, you know, this is how we did it. Um, and so I think, I think that's, it's kind of a fun thing to be able to do when um, Hansel and Gretel, witch hunters uh, came out. They did a, a very special junket where, uh, when it came out on video, um, uh, I was invited to be part of the, you know, the junket and talk to the, you know, Tommy, is it Tommy Ricola, uh, the director, and and meet some of the cast and so on and so forth. But they, at the last minute, and this is when I was at, enter, at Entertainment Tonight, uh, they said, David, do you mind sitting in the makeup chair and having them turn you into a witch? <laughs> <laughs> nice like, uh you mean just like and then what and they're like well just you know for like a photo op but i guess you could you know i said well i'd still have to do my interview like that be before or after the interview they're like well you could do the interview dressed as a witch and i said sold i'll
0: do it yeah <laughs> who's gonna say no to that exactly
1: they turned me into a witch and i got to do it and
0: it was pretty ridiculous and fun and i had such a blast doing that and that's one thing that's so, um, you know, uh, so I don't know if you're if you're familiar with our podcast, but, um, you know, we do it with uh, two other hosts. It's uh, Mark and John and myself and uh, Mark and John, um, you know, old school horror guys, you know, they've been involved with the genre kind of on and off here and there. And I, for a long time, was very uh, not anti-horror, but I've never watched horror movies. I have a very overactive imagination and they they did a little bit of a number on me. So when I started this <laughs> podcast with them, I was kind of like fresh and the newbie i was like oh man i would never watch that you know like that's too scary for me or that's just too gruesome and and going through this you know multi-year experience now i've come to learn that like wow i've seen a lot of these movies, like you just don't realize how like entwined these horror movies are and just the zeitgeist of, you know, the timeframes when we grow up. And it's been really cool to see like how fun and how dedicated everyone involved in this um, this genre are, whether it be, you know, making the movies, special effects, the actors, the actresses, those involved, like, you know, like Joe Bob and and all the things just even like ancillary to the, uh, the movies themselves, which is one of the reasons why i really love what you've done with these projects is because, you know, you you really get to deep dive into so many of these aspects and that's been really great. Um, But one thing I did want to ask on, on the tail end of that is you did uh, do in search of tomorrow and Mm -hmm. we don't have to go too much into that one because, you know, this is a horror focused thing, but what was the, the impetus choice to kind of go in the sci-fi direction? Was that just kind of a natural offshoot of the horror genre for you? Or did you specifically want to dive into sci-fi in that element?
1: Well, that started off early on. Um, the In Search of Darkness movies are made by a company called Creator VC, which is run by Robin Block. Uh, he's in the UK. And uh, uh, these all come. Uh, they're his ideas. You know, he, he just thinks, how cool would it be if we if we dive into a decade and and really explore the films, the filmmakers, uh, the whole pop culture around it? Um And when we were doing the first In Search of Darkness, uh, I remember he looked over my shoulder. I have a a Star Trek, uh, the motion picture poster of the Enterprise, you know, uh, framed on my wall. And uh, I think that kind of got me the job for In Search of Tomorrow, because Robin said, I I, I get the impression that you're not just like full on horror. Like you like other kind of genres, too. I'm like, yeah, absolutely. He's like, are you a sci-fi guy? I'm like. I'm a huge sci-fi guy. He's just like, yeah, I got that impression. And, well, I'm thinking of doing, you know, like In Search of Darkness, I'm doing uh, In Search of Tomorrow. We didn't have a title yet. But, you know, In Search of Tomorrow, all about sci-fi of the 80s. And I'm like, are you kidding me? Sign me up, you know. And uh, we should all be – I'm incredibly fortunate that, you know, I, you know, I was invited to do "In Search of Darkness." Uh, Robin was happy with with how I did it, and working together was a dream. And so, absolutely, keep the collaboration going, keep the band together, and uh, you know, Samuel Way, who edits these, he does an amazing job. Weary Pines, who does the uh, the score, uh, wants to carry everybody over, uh, and we have a tight knit team at Creator VC, and uh, we're more than happy. put films like this together so it's a real dream to be able to do it
0: who's responsible for choosing some of the um the official artists that go on your soundtrack for instance you've got like you know uh, power glove you've got a bunch of excellent chiptune artists in the insert series alone um is there someone specifically who's in charge of that or is that kind of like a group uh process
1: that particular process is more robin working with new retro wave and new retro wave will uh assemble uh, a, a very specific album uh, thematically for us, uh, and we'll go through the tracks and 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 choose what we think is the perfect selection, you know, for much more of a sort of synthwave techno kind of feel uh, that is a great complement to the stuff that Weary Pines does for the actual score of the film. Yeah. So and
0: uh, for our listeners yeah. out there, if you guys have not checked out the soundtracks for these, definitely do so. The score and the synthwave stuff alone is worth. Any price of admission. Um, I throw those on pretty regularly when I'm doing editing and also working on art projects and stuff. So definitely, if you haven't checked that out, I just want to make sure I called that person out too because again, I'm really impressed with you know how this has all come together and um, well, we're, having we're, we're a small team and so you know there's some decisions are collective,
1: some decisions are I'll just make you know I, I or someone will just make the decision and say this is what we're doing and if there's no Pushback, that's the way it is because we get, we have so much that we do uh, and so much that needs to be accomplished. Uh, but we are also a collective where we're constantly uh, spitballing ideas and, and, and throwing around concepts and art and music and artists and ideas and uh, ways to market. And uh, we, like I said, we're a real tight knit team and we're in two different continents, you know, we're in, in Europe and in, in North America. And, uh, we make it all work, and uh, it's pretty impressive, I, might, I must say, uh, just to be part of this team and, and see how much
0: magic we accomplish uh, on a daily basis. Yeah, it's been it's been great seeing what you guys put out. And I mean, there's been so many, um, I don't know, I don't think you directed this, but there was also In Search of the Last Action Heroes. So there's there's definitely just a, a very broad look at um, a lot of these genres and stuff without giving too much away, because I don't know if you can, but do you guys have any plans or any ideas for a future In Search of project?
1: Yeah, well, and I just want to say In Search of the Last Action Heroes is directed by Oliver Harper. Uh, I, I'm a producer on that, but that is Oliver's project through and through with Robin Block. Um, and uh, that really sort of set the everything in motion to get In Search of Darkness made, because that was uh, in production when we started In Search of Darkness. Uh, and then it all kind of rolls on from one to the next. And so now that we're finishing the trilogy of In Search of Darkness 80s, we are very keen to go to In Search of Darkness 90s. And so we're in uh, early development on that. And uh, we're also keen to do another In Search of Tomorrow. So In Search of Tomorrow, part two. Oh, and uh, as we speak, we're also working on a film uh, called Aliens Expanded, which is a deep dive into James Cameron's Aliens. And I'm executive producing that. That's being directed by Ian Nathan. It's in uh, very capable hands and You know, we have a lot of great projects coming on. Uh, Robin has another project uh, called FPS First Person Shooter, Uh, and we have a bunch of other things in the pipeline. And so all this stuff is crowdfunded, it's community driven, uh, and it's uh, very interactive by fans, for fans. And uh, we happen to be filmmakers and we happen to be able to make and market and manufacture and distribute our own films but we're fans through and through and by keeping it small uh, we could be as creative as we want and create stuff that we we would want to see as fans
0: and that definitely comes through um, through all the projects you guys do um, for instance you know uh, for our listeners who may not be familiar or may not have backed some of these projects before you all do watch parties I mean I know in search of tomorrow there was like almost a weekly watch party in, in some cases where you know you guys would throw on some classic you know movies and everyone just kind of get together uh, you're all very very communicative with the audience there's always some fun stuff that goes out with these uh, these crowdfunding events uh, we absolutely a- we,
1: we, we still do the watch parties every single week we switch off between sci-fi and horror we just did prince of darkness this weekend for the anniversary of john carpenter's film Uh, but yeah it's uh you know andrew dalton and and uh, uh uh that that's he runs he runs the discord as well he's sort of our community manager and he does an amazing job um and uh it's 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 like-minded fans talking to each other on a daily basis. Uh, everyone loves to communicate and and share our collectibles and talk about the latest releases and talk up, you know, what we can be doing and how we can help uh, help steer the trajectory of in search of films and the projects we've got going. Mm-hmm. We, we have backer events often where we will show some material or we'll have discussions with uh, backers to just let them know what we're up to and pick their brains on what they would like to see. And uh, it's very cool. So, you know, you back a project with in search with creator VC uh, you get to be part of a year long process and you can be as engaged as you, as you'd like to be. Uh, until the film finally comes out. and um, it's it's very immersive and it's very fun and it's it's not a common occurrence to have uh, documentary filmmakers who are so open to
0: sharing what they're up to. Yeah. And that's one of the things, you know, we, we, we love about the uh, the horror community is like everyone's just so involved and supportive and they, and they love getting together, you know, for instance, you know, the, the shutter Joe Bob events, you know, the Twitter just goes nuts when those happen and, you know, being in some of the, the watch parties with creator VC stuff, it's just so nice to see everyone come together. And, you know, for our listeners, the audience, the, the backers really do help shape these projects. I've seen that happen firsthand and, um, it's it's a it's a good company. It's definitely something we're checking out. If you see any creator VC, um, you know projects coming up, definitely give them a look. You know, maybe something that you're really interested in backing. Uh, is there anything that you want to plug? Is there anything that you want to you know talk about before we we kind of head out? Yeah, well, I want to make sure that everyone understands. We've been talking about in Search of Darkness
1: Three. This is this is available only for a limited time. Uh, it's only available until Halloween at midnight. So the clock is ticking. You know. <laughs> I can make a Halloween 3 reference, but I'm trying not to. I do that too often. But
0: yeah. Don't worry, we'll edit it. We'll edit in the Silver Shamrock theme there. Don't worry.
1: Please do. It's almost time, kids. Um, but uh yeah, you literally have until Halloween at midnight. And uh so you go to 80shorror.com. That's where you can get in search of darkness part three, and you can order your copy. Uh and if you have never seen In Search of Darkness part one or part two, or you, you've seen them, but you don't have a copy to hold in your hands, you can buy the trilogy as a box set. You can get individual uh one or two or all three. Uh, With a cool slip case. So we're we're making all that stuff available. The reason why it's so short lived is because what if you if you order between now and Halloween, you get to have your name in the credits. Uh, which is a super cool thing, and so you could either use your name if you want to use your podcast, your your loved one, your your dog, uh, whatever it may be. Uh, you get to be in the end credits, and and you get uh, the 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 knowledge that you really helped a indie project over the line. And there's also lots of cool swag that comes along with it that you could check out when you go to 80shorrordoc.com. So you know, there's digital download. There's the, you talked about the new retro wave
0: soundtrack. There's a download of that as well there's uh some amazing uh, trio, posters let me let me, of, let me tell the, the artists who do the posters next level people uh, yeah there's multiple different variations they have i i i love these things i get get excited about it even this, the search of tomorrow poster alone is y'all should check that out
1: Shout out to uh, uh, Dave Morell who does uh, amazing posters. Uh, Ratchet Loft does uh, one of the posters, and and Clayton Benj, our art director, does uh, one of the posters as well. Uh, also, I want to make sure that everyone knows that because this is such a community-driven project, uh, and and community as uh, the com- fan community essentially chose all of the content that's in search of in, in Search of Darkness Part Three. Uh, I want to be able to give back to everybody. So you, Garrett, everybody who's listening, uh, between now and Halloween at midnight, I want you to record a video testimonial about how much you love 80s horror, 80s filmmaker an 80s film, even you know, if you if you like the In Search of Darkness franchise, you could talk about that as well. But literally focus on just coming from your heart, talking about what this genre and what this decade really means to you. And what I plan to do. I can't promise every single one, but you know how the end credits really run for a long time mm-hmm. is I'm going to line the end credits from top to bottom with everybody's testimonial talking about what this means to them and how important it is to everybody. Oh, wow, the way that's can do that- awesome. If you if you look on our socials, uh, if you go to our link tree, you can click on that on if you go to 80s horror doc on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, click on the link tree at the top. There's a link in there that tells you exactly what you need to do to submit your video. But please do that. and, And you could find yourself in the end credits of the film and i really want everyone to do this because i want to hear your voices and i want you guys to be part of this and and i want to be able to give back
0: to everyone who's given so much to us yeah that's great yeah we have some some amazing fans who, who love talking you know horror movies with us and stuff like that so y'all heard them now's your chance get those testimonials recorded get those submitted and get yourself in the uh, possibly in the credits of uh, in search of darkness 3. indeed indeed Well, david i want to thank you so much for stopping by today and and talking with us about this project again this is something that's kind of been you know close to my heart as far as seeing these come out and getting turned on to this series and then just seeing expand beyond just even horror um you know always impressed with the product but i really want to thank you for taking the time out today and, and talking to us about this upcoming project
1: well, it's a pleasure to be on Great Talk podcast. And, you know, I, I really appreciate all your support. And and I'm really, it, it, it pleases me to no end that that you really do enjoy these films. And I hope this has created an opportunity for you to discover all sorts of new filmmakers and filmmaking from the era. And just, uh, you know, just soak up all the creativity that that happened during that, just such an amazing decade.
0: Yeah, it really was. Well, thank you all so much for listening in. Uh, we want to thank David Weiner for stopping by and talking with us. Again, y'all can go to 80shorror.com to see um information about in search of darkness part yep. three. A- 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 C- shorrorcom Yep. ADHorrorsdock.com. Apologize for that. We'll do that right. Um, and then also uh Creator VC. Keep an eye out for any projects they have coming out. So far, everything they put out has been a banger. So, you know, definitely <laughs> check those out, y'all. And uh thanks for stopping by and we'll talk to y'all next time.